Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. We're back, baby. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you, thank you, Raven, for that warm welcome. Hello there, adventurers, and good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all the entertainment and gaming news sources. This is going to get a little weird, so let's hang tight. We're going to get some news about Season 4 of The Boys. Kick has some streamer issues. BlizzCon update. Madonna and Wheel of Fortune. And more. So saddle up and let's go. the boys such wholesome family fun content for all ages i can't even finish that who am i kidding the amazon production it really feels like it skirts the line with like every episode with its graphic nature it's not nearly as bad as the graphic novel by a long shot but it seems like the show is going to get worse for lack of a better term associate producer and vfx supervisor stefan fleet hinted that the upcoming batch of episodes in season four was, quote, the craziest bleep we can legally put on your tubes, and, quote, I think I just saw the most disgusting thing I have ever seen working in this business thus far, unquote. Well, isn't that just exciting? Sort of. Season four has officially wrapped filming, and it did so back in April, but don't go pop your popcorn yet. Showrunner Eric Kripke has now confirmed that the season four release is being held, for as long as the Writers Guild of America strike continues. The strike be began back in May of 2023 this year as a result of a dispute between the WGA and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And while screenwriters are striking for a number of reasons, one of the main ones is just to secure fair pay. Kripke wrote on Twitter, When season four drops depends on how long the WGA strike goes. No answer yet tell the studios to make a fair deal. More people continue to ask questions about why the season was being put on hold, and he continued and tweeted, there's a good amount of dialogue that we write in post that the actors will come back to record. It's called ADR. And to help bridge story gaps or clarify a plot point, we will also edit dialogue together in different ways to kind of rewrite it. So writing is at every stage of this process. So Right now, it's not clear how long this strike is going to go on, so get comfy, fans. We may have a long wait. Part of the ship, part of the crew. Who's the imposter? Well, hopefully not you. Among Us became a cultural phenomenon when it was released back in 2018, but it really hit massive popularity spike back in 2020, because what else could we do that year? Yeah, excuse me. Uh, make babies? 
Raven, this is a family show, hon. They were making families. Anyway, anyway, in October of 2020, Among Us became the number one on Google Play in 66 countries and in the top 100 in almost every other country. And now it's about to become an animated series. CBS Studios, by way of CBS Eye Animation Productions, has partnered with Inner Sloth, the independent game studio behind Among Us, in order to develop the series. Owen Dennis will serve as creator and executive producer on the project under his overall deal with CBS Studios. Now, per the official logline, the series is based on the premise of the game, which is members of your crew have been replaced by an alien shapeshifter intent on causing confusion sabotaging the ship and killing everyone root out the imposter or fall victim to its murderous designs titmouth studios which is also known for star trek lower decks and big mouth will serve as the animation studio for the series now no network or streamer is currently attached for distribution but those conversations are said to be ongoing the studio will be covered by the animation guild rather than the writers guild Due to the current strike. Look, Among Us is a very, very fun game. The shenanigans, they're numerous. My only concern with this is the timing. According to SteamCharts.com, the current average player count as of June of 2023 is 4,600 players, which is way below the spike in October of 2020 that had 176,000 people in the game. There was merchandise everywhere. You could see it on birthday cakes and shirts, lunch boxes, figurines, the Halloween costumes. And it almost seems like to me, personally, the time to have made this series was like two years ago in 2021, where it was still at the height of popularity, but it was starting to fall off. You know, people were moving on to different games. Maybe they were banking on Among Us to just be really just such a cultural hit it would still be a success at this point. And look, I'm not in the meetings, so I don't know why now. It's a little sus on the timing, honestly. I mean, the game is starting to fall off, so maybe they're just trying to kick it back up into popularity. Maybe they're, they're gearing up for an Among Us 2. We don't know, but we're watching for more news on this upcoming show. Paul Danino is a streamer better known as the infamous Ice Poseidon. Ice Poseidon rose to popularity back in 2015 as an old-school RuneScape streamer, but he segued into the real-life streams with Pokemon Go in 2016. He has had multiple, multiple bans on Twitch.tv, including the well-known swatting incident on American Airlines Flight 458 in Phoenix, Arizona, when Ice and a friend were removed from the plane. Now, this incident made national news across the U.S. because it was a hoax bomb threat that had been called in by one of his own viewers under his name. Now, while this wasn't the first time that he had been swatted during a live stream, it was the first on Twitch to lead to a permanent suspension. So he departed for YouTube and then Mixer, and we all know how Mixer turned out. And he finally has moved to Kick, the new platform that's rapidly challenging Twitch, but kind of coming across as a place for all the troubled streamers to end up. Now, Ice Poseidon, he's a very contra figure himself, and he's got several multiple incidences under his belt. Back in Switzerland, 
a magazine discussed when he was in the country that he'd been evicted out of multiple hotels for harassment and for disobeying filming laws of the country. His community is considered one of the most toxic ones. I mean, look, one of his own viewers got him kicked off of a plane, so. I could spend a lot more time discussing all of his past transgressions, but I'd rather talk about his latest stunt. ICE just took his first trip to Bangkok, Thailand with fellow streamer Deepak, and it didn't go well. In fact, you could say it ended in disaster. Thailand is known for being a vacation hotspot with beautiful beaches, cheap drinks, great food, loads of parties. So it came to a shock to Ice Poseidon and his crew when their antics upset the manager of a restaurant that they were at. During a kick broadcast on June the 28th, Ice Poseidon was dressed in beautiful black lingerie and began giving a lap dance to his girlfriend Kimberly when suddenly the manager walked in, and boy was she furious. Right off the bat, the manager began to scold everybody in that lounge, claiming they were disrespecting Thai culture. The manager then said, quote, I would like all of you to go to the police station now for doing something like this and disrespecting Thai culture, unquote. And this is all being recorded by Deepak, I'm going to add. The manager then went on to demand that ICE stop filming and everyone hand over their passports, which the streamers seemed to comply with. Now, footage from Deepak's VOD shows that the group was cooperating with the management while stealthily broadcasting the conversation until the streamers started getting subscriber notifications, which just set her off into a frenzy again. On Discord... Ice Poseidon updated his fans and explained that the hotel wouldn't let the group leave and they were taken into a van. He further requested that someone call the embassy, claiming he has to write it admission of guilt. He wrote, mugshot with pressured admission of guilt and apology. Guilty of what? No idea. No one telling me what the law was I broke, unquote. According to Ice Poseidon, he will need to return to the police station the very next day for the cops to complete their investigation, but he currently doesn't have his passport. His representative, however, said no laws were broken and he's yet to be charged. Poseidon later gave fans an update via his Discord, saying he had been released but will need to go back in six hours with a lawyer. He also confirmed that no charges had been pressed. So we're going to have to wait and see if Poseidon ends up being forced to leave Thailand much earlier than expected. Now, this was several days ago. There's been no update. Where in the world is Ice Poseidon? A Fortnite streamer by the name of Lacey is a 20-year-old content creator, and he broadcasts on Twitch and YouTube. He started uploading back in May of 2020 and has since gotten about 9,000 subscribers on YouTube and nearly 83,000 followers on Twitch. It's making him one of the fastest-growing Fortnite players, according to the analytics from Twitch Tracker. Now, since June 18th, Lacey has been running an uncapped subathon, which is a marathon live stream that runs for as long as the streamer receives bits, which is Twitch's proprietary currency. And he's been playing and watching Fortnite the whole time, among other things like some other YouTube videos. He's been doing this for days on end. But around day three, Lacey found out that one of his top donors to this live stream wasn't serious about the donation that they sent the Fortnite player. Esports journalist and Twitch watchdog Jake Lucky tweeted back on June the 26th 
that the Twitch viewer, viewer who gifted Lacey 251,092 bits, which is approximately $2,510 US, had refunded that donation, even after the Fortnite player had shaved his whole head. Lacey said in a June 20th stream, you made me shave my head bald, shaved my bleeping eyebrows to refund. I don't even want to finish the subathon, bro. In Twitter DMs with Kotaku, Lacey said he shaved his head back on the 21st of June and has since dyed the growing peach fuzz pink. He wasn't sure why the donor rescinded the money, but then he explained what happened next. Quote, the donor didn't explain anything. They deactivated their Twitch. They blocked me on Twitter and Fortnite. I found out because a couple of people in the streaming space had DM'd me and said the same person donated hundreds of dollars to them and had also refunded, unquote. Lacey said that although he loves his hair because it's by far his best trait, he made a promise to his viewers during the subathon and would never break his word, even if the money never materialized. But that said, he still isn't the biggest fan of the new look. Quote, it didn't feel bad at first, to be honest. I loved my hair, though. I had long curly hair, never shaved or did anything to it throughout my entire life. But once I dyed it pink, which was another goal of the subathon, it really sucked because I don't like the look. I don't even want to go into public looking the way I do right now, unquote. It's unclear why the viewer rescinded the donation, though they later sent in a dollar. A dollar. And despite being audibly and visibly disappointed with the whole situation, Lacey's chat still cheered him on, and they started sending extra bits to make up for the vanished $2,500. Each bit donated increased the length of Lacey's stream, so he'd been marathoning for nine days and was still going to be live for another four, and is still currently going. Good news, everyone! That's right, Futurama fans. After a very long hiatus, Futurama is back, and its eighth season will premiere on Hulu on July 24th. So good news, everybody. You can now see the first trailer of the upcoming season on Hulu Now. The new trailer just got released for this really popular sci-fi animated series. For those that remember, Futurama premiered back on Fox in 1999. I feel old now. It was in an animation block after The Simpsons and before Family Guy came on. And the series lasted for about four seasons until it was initially canceled back in 2003. But then the series got licensed by Cartoon Network's Adult Swim lineup, and then it aired there during the evenings between 2003 and 2007. With the DVD sales plus the newly accumulated audience turning, tuning into all the reruns, and gosh knows I watched a lot of the reruns, it ultimately led to another revival. So in 2007, we got four direct-to-video movies, Bender's Big Score, Beast with a Billion Backs, Bender's Game, and Into the Wild Green Yonder. And they were intermittently released until 2009. And then Comedy Central got involved, licensed the movies, broke them down into four episodes each, which created a fifth season going from 2008 to 2009. They ordered two more seasons, six and seven, and aired them in two 13-episode parts. Now, the series aired its last episode back in 2013 when the network decided, we're done. And since 2018... Matt Greening and David X. Cohen have been working on Netflix's Disenchantment, which is currently, I believe, said to be in post-production for their more upcoming season. And it's not like the, the cast had any kind of shortage of work from 2018. John DiMaggio was working on Adventure Time, and Billy West and Sick Katie Seagal were all busy as well. 
But there were some rumors a couple of years ago about the possibility of bringing the series back one more time and doing a web series. But it decided to go ahead and try the Hulu route. So Hulu picked it up and they're doing the revival. It did hit a snag not too long ago when John DiMaggio held out on the contract agreements due to a pay dispute. They ultimately settled. And so now this new series will air in two parts. They're going to have 10 episodes in the front part, which will start July 24th and go through September 25th. It'll be a weekly release. No current word on when the second set will come out, but it obviously will be after September 25th. I'm really looking excited to this one. I'll admit I loved how the original, okay, I can't say original, but the more recent revival ended with, spoiler alert, Fry and Leela going through the world together and culminating their romance into this very big romantic moment. And then the professor showing up and saying, hey, you know, we're back. And Fry going, you know, you want to go around again. And it's just, if, if it didn't bring a tear to your eye, I only know one other thing that will, and we do not discuss see more on this show that is the one episode that does not exist so i want to see what they can do but at the same time it's like i don't know if I want, i'm hoping they don't mess anything up but with everybody coming back and I, I did watch the preview i did watch the trailer and seeing that brannigan asking for manscaping i did see some references to what we went through in 2020 with the coronavirus I remember after the preview came out some people were a little concerned about the fact that oh, well, this is dated material, no one's going to find it funny. And it's like, well, you know, if you like Futurama, you're going to understand the humor, and you're going to find the humor in some of these situations. And I think it's going to be just fine. It's just you get a little nervous when the fan favorite's coming back, and you just want to make sure they don't mess it up. But, hey, we're, we're going to have fun with this one, and, you know, welcome back to the crew of Planet Express ship. It seems that the Force wasn't quite strong enough for this iconic piece of Star Wars memorabilia. In our previous podcast, we told the story of a gown that was worn by Star Wars' Princess Leia, who was played by the late actress of Carrie Fisher. In the first film in the blockbuster movie, A New Hope, at the end of the movie, she presents our heroes with medals of honor in a very ceremonial award ceremony. Now, those involved with the film thought that the, piece had, uh, the gown that she wore had been destroyed along with all the original sets until word got out that it was actually intact but collecting dust in a London attic. The crew member had swiped the dress from the burn pile. Now it took a total of about eight months for teams to remove the dust that had accumulated onto the gown and patch all the tiny little holes that appeared in the fabric's fragile areas. They were able to painstakingly restore it to its former glory and they put it up for auction expecting it to go for about one to two million dollars instead the dress went unsold it failed to meet the seller's minimum requirements the minimum requirement in order to make the sale was one million dollars but bidder stopped short the final bid amount nine hundred and seventy five thousand dollars prop store the company behind the auction said it was still actively accepting post-auction offers on the dress the company said in a statement to npr it may be sold after the auction in a private treaty sale or may be reoffered again in a future auction. Referred to as Princess Leia's ceremonial gown, the floor sweeping dress is made of a very slim fitting silk and it's adorned with a silver plated belt. It's the senator's signature look. She wore a lot of white, but notably 
the neckline is scooped and has an empire waist, which leaves it less conservative to some of the more hooded and roomy garments that Leia wears for most of the franchise. Now, I know what you're thinking. No, 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 no. What about the bikini? Yeah, the gold bikini getup, which was trademarked as Slave Leia. That would come to define her later character transformation. It's an arguably more iconic look than the ceremonial white dress, but it only sold for $96,000 back in 2015. Who knew? Let's hope that this gown will find the right home the next time it's up for auction. BlizzCon, the massive celebration of Blizzard games like Overwatch, World of Warcraft, and Diablo, is back in person for the first time in four years. And they're offering two very different paths to enjoy the ceremonies. For the first time ever, you will be able to watch the live stream in its entirety for free. But if you want to go in person, it's going to cost you. The event will take place in Anaheim, California on November 3rd and 4th of 2023. And will charge the attendees $300 for just general admission and a whopping $800 for something they're calling the Portal Pass. Now, prior to the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, during which Blizzard only did one online-only stream, and it was available to view for free. Fans who didn't want to purchase tickets to attend BlizzCon in person would have to pay a premium to see all of the weekend's events streamed online. It was not free to watch the digital version. Though the opening ceremony and some esports competitions were available for free viewing, Things like the developer panels, the cosplay contests, which are insane to watch. They do some amazing work. And the closing ceremony, which sometimes had like Metallica, Muse, Blink-182, that would cost you. And back in 2019, the virtual BlizzCon ticket cost $50. But this year, it's going to be free. Now, they put up a blog post on Blizz, uh, Blizzard's website, and it has a graphic showing that the $300 general admission ticket is going to give you access to every hall as well as early access to the BlizzCon store a day before the event kicks off. You'll also get ex exclusive in-game goodies, a BlizzCon branded backpack. But for those who just have $800 lying around for the Portal Pass, which is not including how much you're going to have to spend to even get to Anaheim and stay there, you'll get a separate registration, a security line, early entry into the convention lounge and access to the exclusive portal pass lounge, which is a private viewing lounge. They'll have private concessions. No, it doesn't say the concessions are free gameplay experiences, which are going to include massive installations, art, thematic spaces, concierge support. And, and bizarrely, you're going to have some blizzard employee meet and greets. So if you're an Aaron Keller fan, it's time to cough up some $800 just for your chance to share some space with the Overwatch 2 game director. Maybe if you get there, can you ask him why they canned that promised PvE mode for me, please? Get back to me. What's also more noteworthy in this announcement is that the prices have skyrocketed. Now, back in 2019, general admission was $229 and the portal pass was 550 so that's a 30% increase just for general admission 45 for the portal pass now Kotaku reached out to Blizzard for content no word yet after the new in-game prices began circulating on Twitter the fans were swift to respond I expect no less 
They called them insane, joking they'd be paying that much for just a single skin and a weapons charm. Others pointed out that the cost of a BlizzCon ticket could get you like a few nights at Universal Studios, Halloween Horror Nights, a couple of Disneyland tickets. But hey, you know, BlizzCon's full of a bunch of characters too. Now, BlizzCon's been under fire for a lot of things in the last few years, including sexual harassment lawsuits, um, fear of pushing the ongoing Microsoft acquisition, which is currently blocked by the FTC, and a whole bunch of development woes for Overwatch 2. And it's been so intense that the company decided against holding the online version of BlizzCon last year just to focus on, quote, supporting our teams and progressing development of our games and our experiences. But hey, BlizzCon 2023 is here, guys. And for the price of, let me count, 15 premium Overwatch 2 skins, you can get a sweet backpack to hold all your questions about labor ethics. At least the BlizzCon skins are always pretty cool. So, you know, there's that. The well-known Hollywood family of the Smiths, consisting of Will, Jada, Trey, Jaden, and Willow, are no strangers to controversy and, frankly, strangeness. From the slap that was heard around the world at the 2020 Oscars that ended up getting Will banned from the Oscars even after winning Best Actor for his role in King Richard, to the open marriage that he and Jada share, to their kids' antics, it's now being reported that Jaden has said some really interesting things about his mother. According to USA Today, Jaden was speaking at the Psychedelic Science Conference in Denver on Friday, June the 23rd, and Jada said that Jada Pinkett Smith, his mother, was the first to introduce psychedelic drugs into her family. This could explain so much. The 24-year-old went on to say the drugs, which are mainly illegal in the United States, have given him more empathy, especially when dealing with his siblings. He said that doing the drugs together helps them to, quote, open up our minds to get out of the old ways of thinking that got us into lots of these arguments and open it up so that it just releases and makes room for you to work it out and massage it out until it's completely gone, unquote. In 2021, Viewers and listeners of the Red Table Talk that's now since been canceled, you might find an episode where Jada and Jaden discussed using mushrooms to deal with depression. The psychedelic experiences can positively alter one's emotional process in two primary ways. It can increase one's ability to be in direct contact with the present moment instead of being caught up in your emotions of the past or your anxiety and anticipation of the future, and it can experience or enhance your experiences of your positive emotions. And this is according to an article that was published by UC Berkeley. However, according to the National Institute of Health's website, these drugs can also have harmful effects like psychosis, sleep disruption, short-term depression, and memory impairment. Now, for those who might be familiar with Will Smith's autobiography called Will, released back in 2021, you might remember his stories of what he described as experiencing a hellish trip why on this drug called ayahuasca he did it 14 times in peru more than 10 years ago ayahuasca is a south american psychoactive and an ethiogenic brewed drink that's traditionally used both socially as well as a ceremonial or shamanic spiritual medicine that's used among the indigenous peoples of the amazon basin now those psychedelic drugs like the ayahuasca 
LSD and MDMA do remain illegal in the U.S. federally, although Oregon and Colorado have decriminalized magic mushrooms. Representatives for Jada and Jaden did not immediately respond to a request for comment by Fox News Digital. And I don't blame them. You know, okay, when I was a kid, I remember my life-changing trips with my family were to go fishing and go to Dairy Queen. I don't remember doing drugs with my family to make us closer. My siblings and I, that's not how we dealt with our, our conflicts, but to each their own, I guess. Might explain a whole lot, though, with that family. I'd like to take a moment to welcome Niantic back to the news cycle. They've been a little bit quiet recently, and probably for good reason. Pokemon Go developer Niantic has confirmed that Pokemon Go is still their top priority in the company. I'm sorry. It's hard to believe that statement, but let me continue the story. Um, they just announced that they're laying off 230 employees. Now, over the last few years, Niantic has, it did start growing in popularity immensely because of Pokemon Go. That kind of became more of like their flagship game. But they have created a few other games. They just did uh, one called Parado. It's their latest first-party release. And then Niantic is also set to release, it's called Mon Monster Hunter Now, later in 2023. But back on June the 29th, Niantic CEO John Hank announced that 230 employees are being laid off and they're closing one of their offices, the studio in Los Angeles, California. And it's also sunsetting the NBA all-world game that they had, and they're stopping production on Marvel, excuse me, Marvel World Heroes. Now, explaining the layoffs, John Hanks said, quote, in the recent years since Pokemon Go's launch, the mobile market has become crowded, and changes to the app store and mobile advertising landscape have made it increasingly hard to launch new mobile games at scale. We also face an AR market that is developing more slowly than we anticipated because of technological challenges and because larger players are slowing down their investments in light of the macro environment, unquote. Now, Hank also revealed that they're going to be adjusting their strategy and their investment, but mentioned that their top priority is to keep Pokemon Go healthy and growing as a forever game. The CEO did go on to mention that they had made some changes to the Pokemon Go team, but the investment in the product and team will continue to grow. Niantic will also focus on making their more recent launches and future games a success, which includes Parado, Pikmin Bloom, and Monster Hunter Now. This came, this announcement just came days after Niantic pulled back on an unintended increase on the wild spawn interaction radius and trainers went ballistic. This was where you had a wider range of Pokemon showing up on your on your map which you can interact with and Niantic reversed it and said whoops that was not intentional we didn't mean to do that and so they immediately re undid the update and the trainers on the reddits and all sorts of other places in the comment sections were just so unhappy and it just it comes on the heels of all of Niantic's other problems that they that Pokemon Go players have been having with the uh, the remote raid changes and the price increases, the hashtag Hear Us Niantic campaign, where the CEO literally said, we're not changing anything. Um, and it really felt like they were saying, toughen up, buttercup, and deal with it because we're not, we're listening, but we're not listening to you. And so there's a lot of trainers out there that have just been disillusioned 
by what Niantic has been doing. And they're saying, hey, look, you know, if you want to make some changes, cool, but listen at least to the feedback from the players, and we don't feel like we're being heard. So there have been a lot of people that I have personally seen, a lot of my friends that have quit playing. I mean, they haven't deleted their game. They just stopped playing until they see some changes that favor the players a little bit more. Right now, they say it feels like we're being punished for living in a small community. We can't interact remotely anymore, not like we used to. We have limits on us. We can't afford to to pay the amount that they're asking to get remote raid passes to interact with people. So it's just, it's kind of disheartening. And then you see this, we're laying off people and we're closing an office. And it makes you wonder what's really, really, really going on behind the scenes. Now, in my personal opinion, closing your office in California may not be a bad decision move it somewhere else. But he didn't say anything about reopening a new location, just laying off the 230, closing their offices and shutting down two of their games. So we're going to see what's going to happen with Niantic. But this is the first time we've heard anything from them in quite some time, several weeks, really. Everything's been kind of quiet until that wild spawn misunderstanding happened. Uh, but people kind of kept that one a little quiet. So we'll keep an eye on this story and we'll see what happens with Niantic and the changes they're making for the future. The Queen of Pop, also known as Madonna, is recovering from a serious health scare after landing in the ICU over the weekend. And as a result, the 64-year-old singer's highly anticipated world tour known as Celebration is being rescheduled. Guy Osiri, the icon's longtime manager, released a statement on Wednesday and revealed that Madonna had developed a bacterial infection. He said, quote, On Saturday, June 24th, Madonna developed a serious bacterial infection, which led to a several-day stay in the ICU. Now, her health is improving. However, she is still under medical care. A full recovery is expected. At this time, we will need to pause all commitments, including the tour. And we will share more details with you as soon as we have them, including a new start date for the tour and for rescheduled shows. Page Six claimed Madonna had been found unresponsive on June 24th and was rushed to the hospital in New York City. The Material Girl singer was reportedly intubated for at least one night before having the tube removed, and she's now alert and now recovering. But a rep for Madonna didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. Madonna will be doing her celebration tour, which honors the 40th anniversary of her legendary career. Well, I really feel old now. I grew up listening to her. And this was scheduled to begin on July 15th in Vancouver, Canada and was set to perform her greatest hits for 35 cities across North America and Europe. And she has since been released from the hospital as of June the 29th. So she's home, and she's feeling better. And this update came a day after Gaio Siri shared the news of her hospitalization on Instagram. Now, the health scare comes less than a month before the tour. Like I said, she was supposed to start July the 15th. This is not the first time that she's had a medical issue before she was set to hit the stage. She suffered injuries back in 2019 during her Madam X tour, and it caused her to cancel several sh- several shows here in North America as well as one in Portugal. A year after that, she had to undergo hip replacement surgery, but wanted to let the, the public know it wasn't going to set her back. She explained in her 2021 Madam X Presents Madam Extra Q&A, how do I stay in shape? It's all in your head. It's called will. It's called no one's going to stop me. And how I stay in shape is no one's going to stop me. And how I stay in shape is 
I don't believe in limitations. We hope Madonna is getting some excellent rest and that she'll be back on stage soon. We're really excited to see her new tour and hear all those awesome songs we grew up with. Back when I was younger, my family and I, we were very big fans of professional wrestling. WWF, WCW, ECWs. You saw a lot of really cool characters. You saw a lot of really cool moves happening. Okay, we know wrestling is not real. That's not the point. The point is the entertainment, the athleticism of the men and women in the ring. And it's a really cool show even when you understand what's going on behind the scenes. And I remember there was a particular wrestler by the name of Draws. I was not really into the behind the scenes at that point. So he just, for me, he just disappeared. And I never saw him again. And I never really thought of it because wrestlers, they come and they go. But I'd like to tell you a story. On October 5th of 1999, Draws, whose real name was Darren Drawsdog, he suffered a neck injury in a match against a man by the name of D'Lo Brown during a WWF SmackDown taping in one quick instant. The six foot three, 280 pounder became a quadriplegic with virtually no movement below the neck. The Draws and D'Lo Brown have opened up about this moment and how forgiveness, strength, and resilience brought them close in the years that followed. And when a professional wrestler goes into the squared circle, he or she will put their entire body on the line, risking a wrestling injury. There's absolutely no way around it. You're going in there, you're getting flipped, you're getting slammed, you're running into ropes, you're getting tossed over ropes. I've seen one guy jump off a rope and break his ankle with these really tight boots on. It happens. Even with the almost unfathomable commitment to the craft and the years of practice in their life training, it just doesn't stop terrible accidents from happening from time to time. So... Due to this injury that took place during the taping, the theory is, well, let's put it this way, the tape was never released. So the theory goes, Draws is doing a move. He didn't get a proper jump to help D'Lo do a running power bomb, And D'Lo couldn't get a good grip because of the shirt that Draws was wearing. This results in Draws crashing to the mat in a really gruesome manner and leaves him paralyzed. And it was a real accident. The match was being taped in its entirety, but it was edited by the time it got on air. Now, back in the day, WWF SmackDown was taped days before it actually aired, so it gave them time to edit out inconsistencies and, unfortunately, accidents. So because of this, the technicians have withheld the footage of the match, and they decided never to release it in any format. However, you can see footage of draws being taken out on a stretcher in this public service announcement that the WWE did called Don't Try This at Home. You can view it on YouTube, and you can see it at about the 13-second mark. Footage of the injury for Draws currently sits inside the WWE vault, and it's alongside the tape of the infamous Owen Hart fall at the Over the Edge pay-per-view of 1999. Instructions on these tapes read, Never view, copy, or destroy. There are only two pieces of WWE footage with this guidance. Let's make sure it stays that way. Draws and D'Lo have done interviews since then and basically said, we've come to terms with it. We have no hard feelings with each other. As Draws said in 2014 with an interview with Jim Ross, he stated, well, you know, stuff happens and everyone who gets involved in athletics, including WWE, knows that risks exist. It's, it was just an accident. Now, after the injury in the years that took place, Darren Drozdov did regain most of the use of his upper body and his arms. 
Following his accident in the ring, he did continue to work for the WWE. He became a writer and a columnist, wrote articles and essays for their website and their magazine. He also had a recurring role on the WWE Bite This uh, Internet show, which ran from, I remember that was 2003 to about 2006. And he gave his opinions about current talent, upcoming matches, and for many years, he additionally wrote articles with his predictions for their pay-per-views. On June 30th, 2013, it was reported that Darren Drozdov passed away at the age of 54. No further information about his death has been forthcoming. Now, he has been spending his most recent years living in South Jersey with his sister and her family. He was to the point where he required 24-hour in-home care and was required to take multiple medications daily. With the assistance of his medical staff and continued support from the WWE, he was able to sustain a degree of independence. He had a customized tank-like wheelchair designed and financed by a college friend of his, the founder of Under Armour, Kevin Plank. His passing leaves a bit of a mark on all of us, especially those who grew up watching him in the WWE and it's it, there's a deep sadness and just a lot of questions about what might have been with his career if it hadn't been tragically cut short. But we will continue to remember him for his strength in overcoming the adversity of his injury and the positivity that he gave following his forgiveness uh, towards D'Lo. No animosity, just an all-around awesome person. We here at the Starter Zone would like to offer our condolences to his family and friends. Rest in peace, Draws. We would like to now offer the greatest tribute a wrestler can receive, the Ten Bell Salute. Wheel of Fortune is an American television game show that was created by Merv Griffin. The show has aired continuously since 1975 and has had several hosts, but starting in 1981, we met Pat Sajak, and he has hosted the show continuously since that time. His co-host, Vanna White, the lady who turns the tiles, has been with him since 1982, and they have co-hosted ever since. And now, after 41 seasons, Pat Sajak has announced that he is retiring and will be replaced by Ryan Seacrest. Do you feel cheated or robbed at all? Yes, Ryan, I, I actually really do feel cheated, but that's another story from another point. Seacrest has come a long way since his days as American Idol, but the question then remained, okay, he's replacing Pat Sajak, what's happening with Vanna? And Vanna has been a fixture on the show for more than four decades, but according to sources, she hasn't received a pay raise in about 18 years. Vanna White has appeared on more than 7,000 episodes of Wheel of Fortune and is paid $3 million a year for her role, according to a publication uh, from digital media company by the name of Puck. Though she's received several bonuses along the way, 
her salary has been pretty stagnant for almost 20 years. So her pay is nearly five times less than what Pat Sajak has been earning annually, despite White spending as much, if not more, time on set than Sajak and has been participating in more publicity for the show than her co-host. But since he's set to retire, White's now asking for a salary increase and has gone on to even hire a high-profile lawyer by the name of Brian Friedman, who has gone on to represent such figures as Tucker Carlson and Chris Como. According to Puck, Puck's Matt Belloni, he says, I'm told Friedman is hitting the pay discrepancy issue really hard with Sony, as well as possible gender discrimination with respect to White's salary, unquote. Now, over the years, Vanna White has become synonymous with Wheel of Fortune. Sony Picture Television's own research says her popularity among women has helped to drive the show's older female viewership. But in the past, her job security wasn't always guaranteed. Before it became this financial juggernaut on television, it was said that executives back in the 90s were considering even getting rid of her role completely, which today just primarily consists of tapping the tiles to reveal the correct letters for the answers. Now, these revelations surrounding her salary came as Sony Pictures Television announced that Seacrest was hired and signed to a multi-year deal to host. She's currently still slated to stay with the show. She says she's not planning to, to retire. She just wants a little more compensation for her role. And now for something different. I don't know what it is lately, but every time I go to look for like an odd news story, you know, something just a little off the beaten path, I keep finding stories from Georgia. Last time we talked about the Macon Bacon baseball team. Now we're going to talk about AOK Walker Auto Works, specifically the owner, Miles Walker. He's from Peachtree City, Georgia, and he has been ruled against. The federal judge has ruled that he owes $39,934 to nine workers for unpaid overtime and damages. Now, attorneys for Walker agreed to the payments to settle a civil lawsuit brought by the U.S. Labor Department, and it was accusing him of retaliating a former employee by the name of Andreas Flatten back in 2021. Now, Flatten had filed a complaint with the U.S. Labor Department and said that Walker owed him a final $915 paycheck. So what did the employer do? Mr. Walker decided to pay the man, and he ended up taking $915 in pennies covered in oil and dumped them into his former employee's driveway. The mountain of loose change came with a pay stub that was signed with some naughty words. The Labor Department said further investigation found that Walker's business had also violated overtime provisions of the Federal Fair Standards and Labor Act. So the judge, back on June 16th, signed a consent order in which Mr. Walker agreed to pay nearly $8,700 more to flatten in owed overtime and damages. Eight other workers are to receive amounts between $14,640 down to $500 within the next year. Now, the, according to Tramel Howard, the Labor Department's regional solicitor based in Atlanta made a statement that said the court has sent a clear message to employers such as Miles Walker 
who subject employees to unfair wage practices and outright intimidation and retaliation. Unquote. Now, Walker's attorney, Ryan Farmer, said the conflict with Flatten doesn't reflect his client's true character as a businessman and also said in an emailed statement, Mr. Walker is like many other small business owners in America. He wakes up every day doing everything he can to put food on the table. But unfortunately, emotionally charged decisions can come back and bite you in the rear end. Let's hope Mr. Walker doesn't have another emotionally charged event where he dumps more oily pennies on former employees' driveways. I did do the math. That was 91,500 pennies that he counted out. I'm actually kind of impressed with his dedication and um, wondering, gosh, the mess on that driveway, man. That, um, mm, mm, mm. Don't pay your people in oily pennies as retaliation people. You'll end up paying more than you bargained for. All right, show's over. I'm tired. So we had ice and we had oil, we had Futurama and we had the boys. Y'all, I just want to thank you for taking the time to join us today on this really kind of interesting, strange trip. A lot more entertainment news going on right now. And I wanted to share all of it. There's just, there's a lot going on because it's summertime and we got things changing. Very cool stuff. So I want to thank you. I want to remind you, I do include the links to all of my sources in my comments so you can see what I see and find more. Also, don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there's a story that you want us to cover. Join us next time as we're checking out the latest in entertainment and gaming news. Remember, guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.